Today we have dedicated children and the purpose of dedicating them is to, cause, to commit uh, their lives to God and, and we talked about the, the, the honour of raising children even if you've got your own kids, we, we all were children, right? Might be a long time, <laughs> long time ago, not looking at anybody, I don't know. We all were children, weren't we, at one, at one stage, so we all know what it means to be a kid. But it's a really important, it's a really important role, isn't it, in the life of a parent and, and raising kids. And, and it really is an, 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 an honour as well in, in, in many ways and, and, and a privilege. And certainly with my own two, Release from Jack, or our, our two, not my two, <laughs> our two. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's been a challenge at times, but also an honour and, and a privilege. And it, and it really has. But, you know, but God believes in children. And God believes in, um, you know, speaking into the lives of children and working in the lives of children. So, I want, like I said, this isn't a, a message just about, you know, being a good parent this morning. Okay, well, that could that's, we could speak on that if we wanted to. But that, but I'm just going to just kind of use this analogy and some stuff that that Jesus Jesus said because he had some stuff to say about children. And um, we, we mentioned one of the scriptures um, earlier. And at the moment, I'm reading through the New Testament um, and. Should be pleased to know. Reading through the Bible, and I'm on, on the book of Luke at the moment, just reading reading through that. And this is in, in a number of the um, this is kind of encounter that happens is in a number of the Gospels. But um, and I read from the chapter, the, sorry, the scripture from Mark earlier. But I'm going to read this one from Luke, where it's the same encounter. It says Luke 18, verse 15 to 17. It says this. It said people were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place place his hands on them in order to bless them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked the parents. But Jesus called the, called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will not or never enter it. So it's a rule. And everything Jesus said was incredibly profound. And, 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 and very, very often it was totally countercultural to, to what the culture was um, at that time, so that's why <laughs> some people struggled to kind of get their heads around, um, you know, what Jesus, what Jesus was saying. It was very, very countercultural, and and you know what was happening. What was happening here is that disciples were, were literally rebuking people for, for bringing their children, like they were going to be some sort of distraction uh, to Jesus. And in the culture at that time, children were almost like you know, seen, you probably heard that, that term is seen and not heard. Like with children kind of over there, <laughs> they exist, um, but we don't want, kind of want them to get in, in the way uh, of our lives. And, and, and that was a bit of the culture of, the, of that time. But Jesus is like, no, that's not, that's not right. That's, that's not how God views kids or what God wants to do in, in kids. And then Jesus does some teaching from, from the kids. He uses it as an illustration, as Jesus often did, uh, to make a wider, uh, to wider point. So, so I'm going to just, just draw some things um, out of that this morning. So there's two main, two main lessons from this passage, and there's one other point I've got as well. So point number one, if you're making notes, is children should never be hindered from the kingdom. Children should never be hindered from the kingdom. So Jesus said, verse 16, Jesus called the children to him and said, Let them come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. So, so, so Jesus, again, was being countercultural. He said that, he talked a lot about the kingdom of God and how the kingdom of God operated. It kind of blew people's minds because they didn't really understand how the kingdom of God worked and how it operated, including the disciples very often. Didn't really understand it either. And as I said, they, they thought the children would just be a distraction. It's like, why are these, why are these kids here? <laughs> we, don't, we don't need these kids here. You know, just let Jesus get on with what he needs, what needs to do. But actually, God puts a very, very high value on children. 
and sees him, sees him as incredibly important. And the whole principle of nurturing and bringing up a child, God sees that as very, very important as well. I mentioned this scripture earlier as well, Psalm 127, verse 3. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. They, 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 uh, they are a gift. And, it's a, and you know, when you first, if, if, you've, if you've had children, um, you know, when they're, when they're first born, it's, it's, an, it's an amazing experience. Well, I know it's easier for the bloke to say that. <laughs> it's an amazing experience. Women is, a, is, a, is, a, is an amazing experience, but in lots of different ways. Um, but anyway. But one one thing certainly when when my two were born, or particularly Elisa, the fir- firstborn, they it suddenly dawns on you this huge responsibility. Was anyone else had this? This kind of this huge responsibility that you have. This is like I have this response. One of human beings has come out. Has come out of my wife. That's weird. <laughs> okay, I've only kind of got over that weirdness. Um, but it is amazing as well. Um, then that kind of dawns on you this reality, doesn't it? This is totally our response or our responsibility. Have you been a single parent? Maybe, maybe just your responsibility. And, and God bless you if you've done it as a single parent. Uh, you know, we honour that, and uh, I've got huge admiration for that. But it, that, that responsibility it dawns on you, doesn't it? I can't. There's, there's nobody else is going to take responsibility. You <laughs> know, there'll be people to maybe to support you and help you, but ultimately you have responsibility, don't you? And it's, it's like, wow, <laughs> this, is, this is quite a huge thing. It's, and when, especially when it's, your, um, when it's your first child, you don't really know what you're doing, do you? I mean, even if you've got a second, third, fourth, fifth, you still don't really know what you're doing. <laughs> In one sense, you just kind of make it up as you go, make it up as you go along. And children are obviously are very different anyway, aren't they? It's just not like you can read some textbook that just tells you exactly how to do it. Because children are radically different and why differently and uh, et cetera. And you just kind of make it up as you go along and hope that you know what you're doing, don't you? In one sense. But, but, it, but children are a gift. And it's a, it's a gift to have that, uh, to, to be in that position to, to nurture them and, to, and to, uh, to just to guide them. And lead them in life, but God sees that as incredibly important, and that's my kind of, as I said, my main point. And 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 as a church, we want to be a church that doesn't ever hinder children. That children are never hindered from the kingdom of God. You know, as a church, we we, we certainly seek, and loads of churches would be the same position as us. I'm not saying we uniqueness in any sense sense at all, but you know, us as a church and lots of churches, they put a, a huge value on on kids on kids' church, and we've always sought to do that because we see them as so, so important for them to understand they're part of our church family. You know, even though they've now gone off to a different room, and that, you know, part of that is because they possibly would struggle for, you know, for an hour and a half to, <laughs> to keep their attention, etc. That would be a reality, wouldn't it? Okay? But we're not just sending them off somewhere else just because they're seen and not heard. That's not, that's not the reality. It's to impart, it's to impart, and there's specific things we can speak into them. The kids' church workers do an amazing job, and Tasha does a great job um, leading that leading that team, and of course, there's ignition and youth um, as well. But it's really, really important to put huge value on because God, we should put value on what God puts value on. Yeah. Amen. You know, one of our church, our church values, our family church values, and we've got twelve different values, is that we are family. Obviously, we're called Family Church. Okay. So clues kind of in the name in one sense, and okay, and it doesn't obviously mean we're a church that's only for families, for people who like if you're if you're a single parent and or you know or you're just single on your own, then we say well well I'm, well, I'm not a family, I'm not I'm not welcome. No, of course it doesn't mean that at all. Okay, what it means we are a church family. Okay, it doesn't mean we're just aimed, aimed at families. Okay, and it means we we understand that we're a church family. So whatever someone's you know someone's age, whatever their background, and we should, all should feel like family. I mean, that's something that myself and Wendy strive hard to 
uh, to make our, our culture, as to a lot of other people, all of you, I'm sure, okay, that we should all feel like family. Amen? And it's really important that, that, that the children that, that we're blessed with um, as a church, that they feel like family. They feel totally in- included. They understand that church, that church is, is, is for them. That, that they are part of the church. They're not even, sometimes you hear the term, well, they're the future church. And I, I, don't think, I think even that thing is wrong because, because they're, the, they're the church now. They may be the future leaders, that, absolutely. But, but they're the church now. And, sh- and they, should, they should understand that. You know, ch- children should never be hindered or even, or even feel hindered. So, you know, that's kind of our, our culture as a church. And because Jesus obviously put huge importance on it, what Jesus put importance on, then, then we should. We should. What well, he put value on, we should put value on. Amen? Yeah. So if, if you are a parent, if you are blessed to be a parent, then, you know, you've got a huge responsibility. And I just really encourage you to be encouraging your own children in their walk with God. Yeah. Amen? You know, as a parent, you've got more more place and opportunity to speak into your kids' lives and the way you live life probably than anybody anybody else and that's the reality. So I just encourage you to be encouraging your kids in that. And for all of us as a church family to be encouraging the, the kids that we're blessed with um, in our church. Be, be praying for them. I'm, I'm not saying no one is doing this anyway, but, but I encourage you to do this. Be praying for them. Be praying for your own kids and be praying for all the kids. Pray for your protection. They've got so many challenges in this, in this day and age in, in which, we, which we live. There's so much you know, fear and anxiety and stress and confusion amongst children these days. All sorts of reasons, which we're not going to go into this morning. All sorts of reasons for that. Okay? But, but there's so many challenges that we, that, you know, my generation or even younger generations didn't, didn't, didn't necessarily face those same challenges. So we're praying for our kids, building into our kids, nurturing, uh, nurturing our kids. Blessing, you know, blessing our kids, just encouraging them in their walk with God. Amen? Because Jesus put value on that. So we should put value on it. So children should never, ever feel hindered from the kingdom of God. They should always, always feel welcome. They should feel part of the church family. Amen? So that's kind of my first point. Okay, my second point, so that's kind of about you know, literal children. But now I'm going to talk about kind of us being children. Okay? Whatever age that we are. So my second point is that childlike faith is vital in the life of a Christian. Childlike faith is vital in the life of a Christian. So as Jesus talked about, as Jesus said, let the little children come to me, he then goes on to make a spiritual point, which he so often did. You know, I had a practical situation, and then would make a really profound point off the back of it. So he says, truly I tell you, verse 17, truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. So, so what, what, what does that mean? You know, well, the thing is, children, children are amazing, particularly young, particularly young children, and just their, their just simplicity in the way that they see life, isn't it? And, and the way that, you, and, and this may not always, this may not have been all of your experiences of childhood. I know some people may have had really difficult childhoods, so I, I know those realities, okay? So I'm saying that with a pastoral sense of understanding that. But in a, in a family that's functioning well, let's put it that way, then, then a young child will really trust their parents, and, 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 and a young child, they, they, they go on what, particularly young kids, like I said, they, they go on what their parents say. And what their parents tell them, they bombard you with questions. And they want to know the answer to everything. And they think their parents know the answer to everything. <laughs> Often parents just don't at all, they kind of make it up. But, that, but, that's, but that's the way children are, isn't it? Young kids. And when there's a good, you know, functional family and it's working well, then, then young kids will be just trusting their parents. 
And also, again, in a, in a functional family, a family that's working as it should, then a young child, they want to spend time with their parents. They, want to, they just want to hang out with their parents. It's one of those interesting experiences you have as a parent. And, you know, I sort of spent those time with Jack and Jack and Lisa are great kids. But, they, but, it, but it does change at a certain age. You know, what I noticed up to about the... And I, I read some stuff that some child psychologists have written. They said it changes around age 10, probably around age 10 or 11. Up to that age, the, your, your children, all they, all they want to do is be with you. And you literally could do anything, and they would love it. You know what I mean? You could go to like Portons Park, and they'd love it. Or you could just go to a shop, and they'll still love it, because they're just with you. And, and they just love it. Now, that starts, now that, starts to change. that starts to change over time, doesn't it? And I'm not saying as they get into teenage years. And, they, and, and, and obviously, children need to find their independence. That's all part of growing up as well. Of course, that's all true. But, but it does change, doesn't it? But as a, as a, as a, particularly as young kids, where you've got a good functional family, it's working well, then young kids, they just want to hang out with their parents. They just want to be where, the, where their parents are. And like I said, their parents are like superstars to them. That's how young kids think in a functional family. Their parents are like total superstars. They know the answer to everything. They're the best people in the world, uh, etc. And, and they want to hang out with them. Now, I'm saying all that to say that we can learn lessons from that you know, in the way that we are with our Heavenly Father. This is the point that Jesus was making here. In Romans 8.15, Paul writes this, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. In, in, in English, the best way of describing that is of, of translating, it almost be like Dad. Yeah. By him we cry, Dad. He, he's our Dad. He's, and that's not being disrespectful. We, he's our Heavenly Father. He's Almighty God. But he's, he is our Dad. Amen. So just like a young, in, a, in a family that's working well and a, a young child, they, they, they trust their parents, they want to hang out with their parents, you know, that should be the same faith, the same childlike faith that we have in our relationship with our Father, who is perfect. Amen? Yeah. We should trust God, our Father, like a young child. We should trust him implicitly. Our life cannot be any, in any other safer place than in the hands of of a living God. That's the principle of dedication as we talked about earlier. And just like a young child in a, in a good functional family, they want to hang out with their, their parents and then we should desire to spend time with God our Father. Amen? Like a young child does. So there's kind of uh, some questions for you. And, and Jesus, as always, was the best example in everything. Is do we trust, here's some questions, do we trust our Father with our lives? Do we trust him? And, and, and it's obvious from the life of Jesus, you read throughout the Gospels, is he totally trusted his father. Had total trust in everything he did. He was totally, totally secure in that. There, wasn't, there were no insecurities in Jesus. I know, obviously, you know, he's part of the Godhead, etc. Of course, that's all true. Okay? But he totally trusted his father. That his life is safe in, in his hands. That's why he, you know, God of Gethsemane and, and kind of even some of the struggles that Jesus had about the reality of the cross and, and asking his father to take away the cup. Even in that, Jesus totally trusted his father. That his life was safe in his hands. You know, what Jesus did, it had never been done before. You know, no one, no, no one had ever died and, and been risen from the dead or done that themselves. You know, Jesus raised some people from the dead, Okay. No one had ever won salvation for the human race. That never happened before. Jesus, but this was, there was a big trust thing going on there, right? That this, this was going to work. This was, this, was the plan, this was the plan before the dawn of time, before the creation of the world. This was going to work. Jesus had total trust in, in his Father. Amen. So that's the first question. Is do, we, do we totally trust our Father with our lives? 
God the Father with our lives? And secondly, do we, do we desire to spend time with our Father? And again, this is where, where God, where, sorry, where Jesus was just again the perfect example. You read it over and over and over again, don't you? Where he says he'd gone up on a mountainside to pray, he'd gone somewhere else to pray, and, and Jesus would very often be uh, inconvenient, would choose to be inconvenienced, to allow himself to be inconvenienced because he'd be off praying, and then they'd come and find him, or he'd be off on a boat somewhere, and they would come and find him, and he would heal people, and, and, and Jesus, you know, never shunned people in any way, in a way, shape, or form. But he did make it a massive priority in his life to spend time with his father, and he'd be up before the other disciples. And then he'd be praying, you know, like I guess many of us have talked about praying, and the other disciples were the other disciples were asleep, and Jesus was it was really important for him to be spending time with his father. So in everything, Jesus was a perfect example. Amen. So we can learn a lot from, from little kids here. Do we desire to spend time with our father? And if not, maybe we need to do something about that. And do we implicitly trust God with our lives? Because we absolutely can. Amen. And even if people have, uh, have let you down, and in fact, that's inevitable, isn't it? People are going to let you down. Because um, people, aren't, people aren't perfect. People aren't God. But God will never, ever let you down. Amen? Praise, praise God. And if you've been through some difficult stuff in your life, and you may have gone through some horrendous stuff, one, firstly, God knows, and two, God wants to heal you and, and, to, and to restore you and to put your kind of brokenness back together. Amen? And also, I was also thinking about childlike faith. I was also thinking of the sense of awe or wonder what our child has. Again, if you, you look at young kids, I'll think about my own kids when, when they were young. And as I said, they, they ask loads of questions. They, have a sense of, they just want to know everything, don't they? Someone like Nathan, who literally wants to know everything. He does want to know every, every, literally everything there is to know, uh, which is amazing. But there are a lot of kids that like that, aren't they? They have this whole sense of awe and wonder because they're discovering everything. Everything is for the first time, isn't it? You know, like when a kid, when they realize what their legs do. It's like, oh, I can move around there. You know, they've gone from crawling, and then it's like, oh, my legs, I, I can kind of you know, get around the house. This, this is much better than crawling. This is much more efficient. You know what I mean? And then they discover that their mouth does something, and as they do things with their mouth, they, they, they're communicating, they're communicating um, you know, with their parents or, or, or with other kids. They're like, oh, wow, this is, this is amazing. You know, they have that awe and sense of wonder because everything's for the first time, isn't it? As in kind of in their development. But again, we should be like that in our relationship with God, have a sense of awe and wonder. Our God, our Father, he desires and desperately desires a relationship with us. However much we desire a relationship, there'll still be more coming from God's side. Amen? That's, that's the reality. Let's have a sense of awe and wonder of the awe of God, of who God is. Amen? And what it is to be, what it is to be uh, you know, Christian, what it is to be a believer, what it is to have a relationship with him. Amen? So, so many things we can learn. So childlike faith is vital. Number one was uh, children should never feel hindered from the kingdom. And number three, I think this one's important to say as well. I'm just going to use a different scripture on this one, but it's important just to, just to talk about this, just to kind of close. Is number three, so our faith should be childlike, but not childish. Our faith should be childlike, but not childish. And I think these things sometimes get confused. So it's really important to talk about this stuff. So we absolutely should be childlike in our faith. We have all a sense of wonder. We want to spend time with our Father etc. No, we, we, we trust the Father, we, we trust God, but we, but we should not be childish. Now, Paul had to address this again. In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1 to 3, Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He says this, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. So the people in the church in, in Corinth, they, 
they were still living worldly lives. And Paul sometimes had to address this stuff, and some of his letters are quite hard-hitting, some of the stuff that he said. And what he's basically saying, and I'm kind of paraphrasing, they were living childish lives. They might have had childlike faith, and that's a good thing, but they were being childish. They were still worldly. You know, they may not have been living right. They may not have understood the, the reality of, of being a new creation. They're still living under the, you know, the old nature. They're still being influenced uh, by the world and not living, not living godly, godly lives. And, and Paul goes on to say, because of that kind of childish living, that he could not give them the solid food of teaching they actually needed. They were still like babies with milk. He couldn't even give them the teaching they needed because they just weren't ready for it. They was, he had to kind of almost like go back to basics and deal with this stuff. You know, let, let's, let's make sure that's never us. Amen? There were people, we understand that, our, that we have a new nature. The old has gone and a new has come. The, the sinful nature was nailed to the cross. That's not conformed to the pattern of this world. Paul wrote that, Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by renewing of their minds. This was a problem with the church in, in Corinth. There, there's a pattern of the world you know, at that, at that time, there were a lot of cultural things that weren't great, just like there are today. And, and it, was, it, was, it was influenced in the church. The church didn't really look different, different to the world. You know, Jesus himself said, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. So, we, of course, we're in the world. We're not, we don't need to go and live in a you know, commune somewhere in the, in the middle of nowhere. Okay? So, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're, we're people of a different spirit or of a different, different kingdom. Amen? You know, Paul had learned this lesson himself. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11, you know, the great, the great uh, love chapter, as it's often, often called. You know, love is patient, love is kind, etc., etc. Often it's quoted at weddings and lots of other places. And it's a great chapter. But at the end of it, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11, Paul says this, When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. So God wants us to have childlike faith, but not childish faith. God wants us to grow up and to mature in him. And to continue maturing. It's not about how long you've been, been a Christian. God, it's, it's a continual process of sanctification uh, in your life. Now, God's goal for my life and for your life, ultimately, and there's things he wants us to do for him and to reach people, and of course all those things are true, but ultimately God's goal for our life, for my life, for your life, is to make our character more and more like his character. That's basically his goal. You know, if you think, well, God's got an agenda, that's not fair. Well, ultimately, <laughs> absolutely God does have an agenda for your life. Absolutely. He wants to make you more and more like his character. The fruit of the Spirit is a great example of that in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. I haven't got time to look at all that. No, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, etc. It's a reflection of God. That's who God's character is. That's the character he wants to produce in us. So let's be childlike in our faith, but never childish. doesn't mean to say we shouldn't, we shouldn't grow up. You know, our, our relationship with God, I strongly believe, is it should look different today than it did than it did. Even last week, it definitely should look different to how it did a year ago. Yeah. Okay, and, and we're not we're not gradually saving ourselves. You know, if we're saved, we're saved. But the whole kind of process of sanctification and making our, our character become more and more like Jesus—that is a continual process. Amen. Praise God. So, kind of, th- you know, three main points. Let's be people that ensure that as the children in in our church in our own lives. We never ever hinder from the kingdom of God. We make it as easy as possible for them to understand what the kingdom's all about. But easy as possible for them to, to be part of our church family. It's easy as possible for them to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior into their lives. Whether, whether you're a parent or whether you're talking about kids in us as a church family. Let's be encouraging them. Be praying for them. I'd really, really encourage you to encourage them. Amen. 
Secondly, a childlike faith is vital. Jesus makes a great point there about it, that we need to come like little children to him. We should, we should trust him. We should want to spend time with him. We should have a sense of awe and wonder when, when we hang out with God and we spend, spend time in church. We should have a sense of awe and wonder of who God is and his presence and how amazing it is and what God, is, what God has done for us and the reality of the cross. You know, we should never, ever take things for granted. You know, when we've been a Christian for you know, a length of time, that, that can be a reality. You can start to take Christianity for granted. I'm not saying I'm not going to deny that that happened. That's happened in my own life. We almost take it take it for granted. It's like um, you know, you almost lose your sense of awe and wonder of what the cross was, what Jesus did for you. You can lose that sense of awe and wonder, can't you? Because you've been a Christian a long time, and we should never ever lose that. The, the reality of what Jesus did for you and for me because of His love, because of His love for us, incredible. And thirdly, our faith should be childlike, but not childish. We become like little children, but we should not be childish. God wants us to grow and mature in him. He wants us to give us the solid food of the word of God. He doesn't want to have to keep going back, going back to basics because there's more and more God wants to do in your life, and he absolutely has an agenda for your life to make you more and more like him. And he's not being unreasonable when he has an agenda for your life. It says you've been bought at a price. You're, you're his. You belong to him, right? That's, that's, what, that's what the scripture says. You've been bought at a price. He, he's bought you. Yes, he took you out of slavery, but he, you're now his. Took you out of the slavery of sin, but you now belong to him. So he absolutely has an agenda for your life. So let's be growing, growing in him, allowing him to change us and to guide us and to, you know, to mould our character and all that he desires to, to do through, through his Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're so good. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, firstly, Lord, let's pray, Lord, to, Lord for Lord, all the kids that we have in, in, in our kids' church, all those who are here today or, or couldn't be here today. For all our kids, Lord, the ignition, the youth. Lord, for every single one of them, all the children that are here today. Lord God, we thank you for every single one of them. Lord, every, all of them are a gift from you. Lord, and all of them are a blessing from you. Lord, and we just pray, Lord, your, your, your blessing upon their lives. Lord, we pray you will guide them and you will lead them. Lord, that you will protect them in every, in every sense. Lord God, help them to not conform to the pattern of this world. Lord, to be transformed by the renewing of their minds. Lord God, Lord, may they know you. Lord, may they come to know you and know you in such a deep and, and real way. Lord God. We know they can't live off the faith of their parents. There has to be decisions they make for themselves. And I pray that would be, Lord, a reality in their lives. Lord, that they would choose, Lord, to go against, this flow, go against the flow of the world. Wouldn't it be so easy just to go with what everybody does? Lord, that they would make great choices. Lord, you give them such amazing wisdom. Lord, you give them such great giftings, Lord God. And I pray they'll just feel so included in who we are as a church. They will know that they are loved, that they're cared for, that they're, they're part of a church family that loves them and desires to nurture them. Thank you, Jesus. Bless all the kids' church workers, uh, those who work with momentum and youth ignition. Lord, bless them all abundantly. Thank you for every single one of them, Lord, and guide them and lead them, Lord. Help them to know what to say, Lord, what to pray, Lord, how to answer questions, Lord God. What, and whatever, Lord, needs to happen, Lord, I pray you just bless them in that and use them for your purposes and glory. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, and I thank you, Lord, the, uh, Lord, the example, Lord, that the children children are, Lord, and I pray, Lord, we be a body of people, Lord, that have childlike faith. Lord, that we would never lose our sense of awe and wonder of the reality of the cross. 
the awe and wonder, Lord, of your incredible love for us and how powerful it is. Lord, there's awe and wonder for having a relationship with you. Lord, I pray, Lord, like, like young children, Lord, that we'll want to spend time with you. Lord, that would be such a passion in our lives, Lord, just to hang out with you, Lord, to, to read your word, Lord, to pray, Lord, for you, Lord, Lord, for that to be a two-way communication, Lord, for you to speak into our lives. Thank you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we will totally trust you with our lives. Just like a young child, Lord, does with a parent. Lord, that we'll totally trust you. Lord, whatever, whatever happens in life, Lord, you can make all things work together for our good. Lord, our lives are safe in your, in, in your hands, Lord. You, Lord, even the very hairs on our head are numbered. Lord, that's what you said, you said about it. You know us intimately. Lord, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. You knit us together in our mother's womb. Lord, these are all just all realities. We thank you. We can totally trust you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord and, I, Lord, and thirdly, Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would just grow and mature in you. Lord, while we have childlike faith, Lord, we will not be childish in our faith. Lord, we will grow and mature into the, into the people of God that you desire us to be. Lord, may you produce that fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. May that be a reality in our lives. Lord, may our character look more and more like you. Lord, may we, we look different today, Lord, to how we looked yesterday. Lord, may we look totally different, Lord, today to how we looked a year ago and how we looked 10 years ago. Lord God, may you just do a great work in our lives. Make us more and more like you. We know you have an agenda, Lord God, and, and Lord, we just surrender to that agenda. So just do what you desire to do in us. Mold us. Make us new. Create in us a clean heart. Renew a right spirit with us. Do whatever you desire to do, Lord God. Lord, we say that we are willing and we lay our lives down. We want to look more and more like you, Lord Jesus. We want to grow into all the people you desire us to be, Lord God. We don't want to be immature in our faith. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just pray that all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.